Welcome to Bible Insights with Wayne Conrad. God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Today's topic, taking up your cross. I want to read some very startling words to you. They come from the mouth of Jesus of Nazareth. And they're found in Mark 8, although you can also find them in Matthew and Luke as well. But Jesus says the following thing in uh, chapter 8 and verse... Let's see. 34. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples... Jesus said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Now, I, I want to repeat again just the beginning of it, okay? And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, Jesus says to them, If anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, when we hear those words in our day, they do not have the shock value that they would have had for the crowd or for the disciples when Jesus spoke them. Because you see, in the crowd's mind and the disciples' mind, the cross was an instrument of Roman oppression over Israel. And the cross was a means of capital punishment for those that Rome considered to be the worst of criminals, and especially those that might be politically motivated criminals who were against the emperor and the empire. They had probably seen maybe hundreds of people put to death on these stakes of wood, these cross beams lashed to them and left to die for some days. The cross was a horrible thing to think of and in their minds. We think when Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, or deny yourself, we just think he's, he's talking about like, well, you have to be not so selfish. You know, don't be so self-centered and uh, follow after me and doing good to other people. Make room for other people. Make room for God. Make room for Jesus. <laughs> that is to trivialize what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is saying is that those who would follow him must be willing to die along with him. Now, this comes after Peter previously has made the great confession along with the other disciples that Jesus is 
the promised Messiah. He's the Christ of God. And Jesus told him, according to Matthew's account, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father has told you this. Now, they had all the signs that he was the Messiah in his healing and deliverance of people, as well as in his lifestyle and his teaching. But he had the marks of the Messiah, and Peter had come to believe this. And then Jesus immediately begins to prepare them for the fact that their concept of him as Messiah will not match the reality of God's purpose that the Messiah must do. Because the first step the Messiah must do in this, his coming to earth, is to bear the sins of people in his own body on a cross in accordance with the divine prophecies that were given especially to Isaiah of old. So Jesus begins to teach them the fact that he was going to be going to Jerusalem and suffer many things. Listen to his words. These are the words. He began to teach them that the Son of Man, that's his favorite designation for himself, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. And he said this plainly. This is the first of three times that Mark records where Jesus said these words directly to his twelve. Maybe others heard it as well. But specifically to them, he is telling them, this is what's going to happen to me. I'm heading to Jerusalem, and in due time, I will suffer in this way. I will be rejected by the elders, that is, by the leaders of the nation and the scribes, that is, the learned people, and I will be killed. And after three days, rise again. Now, they didn't have a category for rise again. At this stage, they might have heard of people coming back to life, but not in the way Jesus is using it. And not even that was common at all. So he's going to rise again. But they stuck. He is going to go to a cross and die. Now, this was too much for Peter. Peter, it says, took him aside. Now, picture this. This is Peter, the disciple, taking the master, the teacher, the one he follows Jesus aside to correct him. (laughs) Something wrong with that picture. And he takes him aside to rebuke him. Not just to sort of reason with him, but to rebuke him. He began to rebuke the master. But Jesus, turning and seeing his disciple, so obviously Peter's behind him when he's saying these words, he rebuked Peter. But listen to these words again, a startling word. Get behind me, Satan. He calls his apostle Satan. He calls him a devil. He calls him a foe, an adversary. Reason for you are not setting your mind on the things of God but on the things of men. Now, after this, he calls the crowd to him with the disciples and says the startling words, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, 
but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Now, he's first of all speaking about himself, you see. Because Jesus is going to lay down his life. He's going to lose it in order to save ultimately his life in his resurrection from the dead. And in the saving of his life from the resurrection of the dead, he is going to save all those whom the Father has chosen to give him. In other words, he is going to lay down his life in order to save others who are already lost and will lose their lives eternally unless he does this divinely planned intervention of rescue. But it calls for his death on their behalf under the Roman authorities by the plan and foreknowledge and purpose of God. And he's saying to his disciples, you must follow after me. Now, we can't follow after him in the sense that we die to save people. But we must be willing to lay down our lives for his sake and for the gospel's sake, the good news of redemption by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, there's eternal stakes here. Jesus says, whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he didn't just say, lose your life in general, but lose your life for my sake and for the gospel's sake. You'll, you'll gain. You won't lose. You will gain. And then he, he, he gives some real down-to-earth illustrations. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world? He's talking about wealth. If you had wealth unimaginable to where you could own the whole world, and yet you lose who you are, you forfeit your soul, your real life. What will you gain? Nothing. And for what? What can a man give in return for his soul? Now, this is sort of a reflection of what's found in Psalm 49. That there's not enough money in the world to buy your own redemption. There's not enough wealth that you could ever barter with anyone in order to save yourself. What will a man give in return for his soul? And then he applies it directly to himself. You see, following Christ is about following the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our Savior, our Redeemer, our Lord, and our Master. For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, he's talking about their generation, his generation, but believe me, every generation since has been the same and certainly can be said of our own generation, whoever's ashamed of me in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man, he's talking about himself, be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. He's talking about the end of the ages when the eternal state is introduced with the return of, of the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus Christ from heaven, in order to judge 
in order to set up the new order of the new heaven and the new earth. Jesus' startling words are not something about us being less selfish. It's not about wearing jewelry or symbols on our shirts. It's talking about dying. Dying for the sake of Christ. He's giving us the call to come and die. In other words, our love and loyalty to him must be so great. And it's only by by God's grace that this could ever happen. That we are willing to lay down our lives in every sense of that word for him and for the gospel's sake. This has been Wayne Conrad with Bible Insights. That the next time, remember what Jesus said? Whoever would deny himself and follow after me must be willing to die.